some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Welcome to another great and grand edition of Unlimited, starring Roxanne and Ace. I feel like one of those big DJ voices, like what you've got. (laughs) I have never had a big DJ voice. I have always been jealous of those guys that can... You know what they the the choke and puke. You know, uh, it's like, where are those guys? You know, all unemployed, apparently. So that's how it works. Radio's changed a lot. Uh, glad to be back with you. Thanks to our friends at My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group. Which also finding out this week that Turin is now licensed to be able to help you in Florida and Alabama. We'll tell you more about that coming up. So kind of excited as that expansion is happening. But other great things going on in what's trending. Uh, breaking news. Uh, it's rather stunning. It has to do with Charmin, which, by the way, they've been making that for 100 years. I had no idea. But it took them five years. I don't know why it amuses me, but it does. To create something. You know, now if you go look at your Charmin toilet paper, it's a perfect little pretty square, a soft right. square. Now it's going to have tulip-like edges because their number one customer complaint was when you tear the toilet paper, it doesn't tear evenly. That's the number one complaint? That's the number one complaint really? that they want an even tear from any direction. Okay. So I will say this, though. Hold on. I will say this. I'm glad to see that toilet paper is evolving. Okay. I mean, since the beginning of time. It really hasn't changed much, you know, so we're, we're moving in the right direction, but continue. So they're calling it the smooth tear, which <laughs> that does not sound comfortable at all. It does not sound like something you want happening in the bathroom. I have a comfortable no. tear. Hello. Welcome to the smooth tear. <laughs> you know? it's, just, I don't, it's just bizarre. And, and you just see this room. You can envision this room full of scientists. Let's cut this down just a little bit here. And then when it tears back, it'll be perfect. I mean, it took them five years. Ace, I'm in the wrong business. I could have been paid to work on toilet paper for five years. <laughs> Apparently there's money to be made in it. I didn't know. I do like to, when I clean the house, I do like to, in our bathroom, take it and do the what I call the hotel folding. You know how like it folds into like a little arrow or sometimes they'll do the reverse and then put a little like flowery looking, which to me, you just <laughs> wasted a whole square, you know? But I guess if it tore perfectly, then, you know, it was worth it. <sighs> The world has gone mad. Absolutely crazy. Well, let's go from that to St. Paul, shall we? Mm. What a wonderful example of how to live life and how to do it well. The verse from Acts of the Apostles, the fifth book of the New Testament. In this book, Lucas provided a survey of the church's development. And it's just amazing 
X 2024, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. There's so many good things to unpack from that, but really he's saying circumstances cannot affect his peace, joy, and who he is in the Lord. And what a great position to be in when it feels like the world has gone insane. Yeah. Well, and I will say the thing I love when I've read Paul's letters is in realizing that there it is the forming of the church. It is the expressing of the minds, because whereas we can read the whole book or we can read the whole Bible and know that we win. At that time, when things were going on after Jesus, you know, death, resurrection, and he reascended, like nobody, like it's it's like when you're watching a movie that has a cliffhanger that you don't know how it's going to go. You got to wait till the next week. Like they were freaking out. They had no idea what was going to happen. They knew what Jesus had said. They hoped. But that's what I love about his letters in not only the calming tone, but as it's pieced together to show that we can choose joy when things do go awry. He had a dependence on the only thing that cannot be lost, and that's Jesus. Mm. In this world, things rot, they fall away. Unfortunately, those we love can leave us, can die. We end up dying, but in that we have victory because when we're saved, we go off to be in heaven, which is going to be marvelous. I Mm. like thinking about it. I'm not ready for it quite yet. Right. It's okay to look forward to it. There's still some things I'd like to do first. (laughs) So heterosexual men fit into three masculinity categories. And so I got very curious as to where Ace McKay falls in the scale of the heterosexual men and their masculinity type. The first is the neo-traditionalist, the dude who is the provider and the protector. The second is the egalitarian involving a man seeking a more equal partnership based on measurable give and take. The third category is progressive, working on building gender equity and the partnership through purposeful conversations with their partner, which is your style, Ace. This is going to sound like a cop-out, but I like to think I'm a little bit of all of it (laughs) because I jokingly say I'm a man of many sides. So I feel like there's a little piece now. And now as I get older, I definitely feel like I am softening quite a bit. But I mean, when I can watch like a Rice Krispie treat, you know, commercial where a dad's making, you know, treats with his daughters and I'm, uh, you know, because I know what those moments feel like. I feel like the masculine man part of me is like, hey, mm, fuck up. It's a a serial commercial man, you know, uh, but no, I, 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 I think it takes a little bit of all of those for us to truly understand and have the compassion of our wives and our kids and our ministries and the things that we can be as men. I, I I'd like to think that gone are the days of that. You have to wear a tool belt and, you know, be able to, you know, work on cars to prove yourself as a man. Amen. Yes. And I believe It's more acceptable today for men to have emotions and show them and share Mm. them and talk about them. And I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. I I think bottled up emotion is the cause of a lot of illness and we don't need it. We need to be healthy 
And so I'm glad that you're a combination of all three. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. All right, now we find out if we're high-level thinkers. Hmm. And here are the clues. You are building a unique set of experiences. You don't do the same thing all the time. You're learning and growing. On this, I feel like I get an A+. Plus. Yeah. I'm always trying to learn new things and to grow constantly. I, I don't know if that's because I get bored easily. <laughs> <laughs> I need a lot of stimulation. I don't know. But I think new new things are what I love to do. How about you? Well, and yeah, but the thing too for you and Wayne, like, I mean, you guys don't have kids at home. You can go whenever you want. You have flexibility. He's retired. Like there's a lot of moving parts there. You should be allowed to have those new experiences. The one thing I will say, I, I don't know necessarily what experiences I still want to create or hope for, but I am sure of the things that I won't do. We've talked about some of those, like, I don't want to jump out of a plane. I don't need to bungee jump. I don't need to <laughs> whitewater wrap. Like there are certain things that, you know, and there's activities, those, if that's your thing, great. You found your thing. Do you want to come play drums at church on Sunday? Cause that's my thing. You know, like let, find your thing or the things that are within your niche and then just have a bunch of fun in those things. Amen. Makes perfect sense. Another way to tell that you're a high level thinker is you don't automatically reject new ideas. A lot of people said the internet, that's nothing. A lot of people said cryptocurrency, that's nothing. Some people still do, but the things that we pan, we immediately say, AI is going to take over the world. It's going to be horrible. But I think you and I tend to, to try to understand and embrace some of these new things. Yeah. Well, and we, we hear this with businesses, but I wonder if we as individuals do this too. And tell me what you think of this is you hear businesses go, well, this is what we've always done. So this is what we'll always do. Do we do that internally? Like, is that a, a spirit check for us? I think it is. I think we get comfortable. We drive you know, have you ever driven somewhere and you got there and you don't remember getting there? It's mm. because you drive the same place every day. You're in deep thought, but you got home. Yeah. Nobody's dead. You know, it, it worked out okay. I think we get into grooves of eating the same things, saying the same things, talking to the same two people. And we miss out on an awful lot. And I think our brain gets tired. I think that's why a lot of people are doing, you know, word puzzles and things to stimulate their brains. Because I think your brain goes, ah, you're not going to use me. <laughs> uh, you can't be a high level thinker then. So being inquisitive is also one of the things about being a high-level thinker. And that certainly does describe our friend Turin Newell. So share the big news. Well, I talked to Turin this week, actually, and was like, hey, you know, we're heading into fall. Anything we need to talk about, you know, as far as rates or programs or anything? He's like, well, we're officially able to help families in Alabama and Florida now. So Wonderful. for those of you listening in the Florida area or the state, definitely know that you can call Trent. And he does have those exclusive programs that I've not heard of anywhere else. I mean, when we got into our house, it was such a unique set of circumstances. And he could tell you time and time again, like even if you just call him this week and go tell me a unique circumstance where you helped an impossible family, he's got plenty. And he will be happy to help pinpoint your circumstance and find the program to work for you. 
and a guy totally dedicated to the Lord that loves to pray with you, get to know you, and go to work for you. That is Birmingham Mortgage Group, now in Alabama and Florida at 205-259-1656, bhammortgage.com for more info. As we go on to rules for healthy relationships golden rules that will make things absolutely lovely create emotional safety and trusting the other person by being open and vulnerable that is a true gift because sometimes if you're completely vulnerable you could be subjected to rejection some ridicule some misunderstanding maybe deliberately or not deliberately but i think a lot of people put on a game face Mm -hmm. They're like, I'm not going to show you who I really am and what my weaknesses are because I don't want you to judge me. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, because my wife and I just had this over the weekend of when you know that you've hurt the other person being you know, quick to admit, hey, I know what I did or said or didn't do or didn't say hurt you. Can you tell me why that affected you the way it did? And then being open enough to know that you're in a safe place to say why. And of course, me being all the three things of masculinity that we just talked about, <laughs> I was very easy to go, well, you know, because, you know, I told her, I said, you know, when you and I flirt with each other during text messages in the early part of the day, it doesn't matter what else is going on in the day. I could go back and reread those text messages. So by the time you come home, I'm thinking you're in the same fun, flirty headspace that I'm in. But there may have been something that happened that derailed you in some manner, emotionally or, you know, physically or whatever. And I was like, I may not know those things or, or vice versa. And so we made a point, and that's just why I think the emotional safety is huge. We made a point of that no matter what happens, no matter what kind of days we've been having, when we come in and when we leave the house every day, it's with a kiss. Because it's, it's in a no matter what else is going on in the world outside of our four walls, when we come in the house, it's about each other and about the four of us. And that's where we, the the lips check in, so to speak, you know? And so that's, and so, but you have to be in a place to have that conversation. And we were able to have that without raising of voices or you, you know, you never understand me, you know, but to know that this is, this is home, this is sanctuary. And this is such a, I mean, there are other points, but this is the key one. We need to be able to emotionally rest when we're at home. Be honest with your feelings, face your conflict head on. It sounds like you guys are doing a great job of that. Accept each other as you are. You know, there are going to be little quirky things about your partner that get on your nerves. And you might think you have a better way of doing things. But changing somebody else is impossible. They have to be ready to change. And they may be good with just the way they are. Well, it's good, bad, and the ugly, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, take the ugly. Because I, 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 <laughs> Tony and I have said this on many occasions. If I remove any of the things about you that can be frustrating or vice versa, it's also attached to like a million things that make the wonderful parts of me. So, you know, I'm, I might be meticulous as a cleaner and get frustrated when the kids make a mess, but it also means that the house is clean or, you know, there's, you know, I don't mind cleaning an extra skillet full of egg just so that, you know, you guys can go watch a movie or whatever, you know, it's those things, but being okay with it. Like I, I, I again, I, I think it's a teamwork effort and it, 
it's all the things that make up who we are. And if there's anything that needs to be changed, I got the Holy Spirit on my back going, uh, <clears throat> we need to have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like, I'm going to go work on me for a little while. Yeah, that little tap that says, uh, the way you just talk to somebody, hmm, that's not the way I want you to represent me. Oh, no. Yikes. And so, yeah, but we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's promptings. Yeah. Definitely. Because mm-hmm. I think when we stop listening and paying attention, it becomes weaker and weaker and harder to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is telling you. Mm. AI robots could play a future as companions in care homes. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Part of it just, I'm going to be honest, I guess it's all the movie I've seen that Machine Arena, what is the name of that movie where the robots were very realistic and talking and then they all went bonkers? This Nadine has beautiful auburn hair and eyes that blink and has a conversation with you. This robot can play games. The robot's in Singapore. The robot's good at games. Bingo, plays with residents in a nursing home and all that is great. But what what is it about that that freaks me out? You watch Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> We just envision, you know, I'll be back, you know, and they're coming for us. But I, I will say as someone who has, you know, older parents, like I, I do get concerned for, you know, I'm, I'm blessed enough that my parents are still both alive and they're taking care of each other. But when one of them goes, I do worry about the loneliness, the companionship, the all the things, because, you know, my life doesn't stop swirling and spinning and i just watched my best friend and his wife go through a lot of that when they had to put her dad into hospice and just all the moving parts that are there so i can see where this will be helpful it's still in its infancy so i i get any skepticism that we might feel or or uneasiness you know because i just think about like when my mom tells me that her skylight frame isn't rotating the pictures properly What's she doing going to do when she calls? Uh, Nadine's not working properly. She's running into the corner. And I don't think that's normal. You know, do, do you just reboot and she'll be fine? Or is that the beginning of Terminator 6? You know? Nadine is mad. Nadine just struck. I mean, just, I don't know. I'm I'm not quite there yet. Now, now this story, I thought, oh, this is made up. This cannot be possible. But it happened in Poland, of all things. True story from Reuters. Mm about passengers on a highway to hell, hell, a place there, spelled H-E-L. Right. Please pardon if you have tender ears. But, and somebody thought this was funny. They had a bus with bus number 666 that headed into hell. Mm. And some people thought that was hilarious, and other people pitched a giant canary fit. Had a fit. Over 666, which is the sign of the beast that hopefully we'll never take and never have to contend with, is headed into hell. And so they changed the the bus to 669. What does that really? Okay. I mean, I I get it. I mean, I've I've had where, you know, like you get so many likes on a photo or whatever. If there's too many sixes in a row, I'm like, someone else, I might like my own photo. (laughs) Just to keep that from, you know, so I get it because it is a very real thing and, and it affects us on a spiritual level. So, 
you know, I'm glad that they were at least sensitive enough to do something about it. As soon as I was, eh, get over yourself. But here's the bad news. A lot of people want it changed back to 666. And if they get enough requests for it, they'll change it back. Just when you think you've heard it all. You mean we can't make everyone happy? Nope. Apparently we're not. not. Pizza. Maybe we're a Roxanne blend of cup of coffee, though. <laughs> Maybe that's what's missing. <laughs> that's that's all you got. what we need. I love the fact that uh, as not only you're helping to benefit in a ministry capacity, but you do, especially with fall officially here. I know everybody's doing the pumpkin spice till their heart's content, which is fine. But there is something about the Roxanne blend that is its own unique style. Little bit of pecan, little bit of butterscotch. You're like, oh, well, really? But oh, it's so good. Everybody who tries it. For one thing, it's original. There just isn't another coffee that tastes like it. It's mm. so good. It smells wonderful. It's a great gift as we're headed into that season of giving. Why don't you treat yourself or somebody you love to the Roxanne blend of coffee? Go to mybrotherscup.com, click on the Roxanne blend. It's a beautiful bag, and you can buy uh, their coffee cups are gorgeous. They're like mm -hmm. works of art. You can get one of those to go with it as a great gift. And it sends missionaries to proclaim the gospel of Jesus around the world. So it's a gift with heart and a gift with taste. They will appreciate. It's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, where the Lord brings us the most fascinating people to talk to. And sometimes you run right into them. And that's what happened when I was preaching at Love's Crossing Church, a wonderful church. And a, a woman approached me to say hi and then told me a little bit about what her life has been like. And, you know, you have those moments where you're just absolutely blown away by someone. That is what happened when I met our guest. She adopted a baby, Caleb, from a woman who was involved at one point in sex trafficking. I'm like, how does this even happen? How do you do that? What's the story? What can you tell me? And she's here to do just that. We welcome to the show, Carrie Duckworth. Hi, Carrie. Hey, everybody. <laughs> All right. So, Carrie, tell us about Caleb. Okay. So, um, Caleb was born in April 8th of 2020 right during the pandemic. I mean, it just started the world shut down. We tell him all the time that the world shut down for him. There you so, go. <laughs> kind of a joke. Um, but the whole process kind of started four years ago um, on October 31st. Um, when that process started, it was really not even with Caleb. It was with um, a, another lady um, God kind of opened the door, uh, with that. Um, and then on November 3rd of 2019, we started the process of getting a social worker, learning things that we had to do to do a private adoption. Um, that stuff was very stressful. <laughs> um, but we knew that God had us to, um, to adopt. We were married almost 15 years when this process started. Um, we wanted children. We longed to be parents. And uh, it was okay with me to not have my own child. Um, I have a heart condition that uh, caused me not to have my own children. Um, and I come to terms with that. I just want to be a mother. And I knew God had called me to be a mother. Mm -hmm. And so um, that process started. That baby was due in February. And on the day that the baby was born, the mother chose to go another road. Um and that night we were torn up. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, about two hours later, uh, we had a lady call me that knew um, 
me from daycare. And uh, she knew a lady that was in trafficking that was pregnant and needed a home for her baby. And literally two hours, y'all, two hours from when we lost the first baby. Um, The next day, Amber called us. Um, She told us what was going on, everything, you know, that her life, um, that she couldn't bring the baby into this life. um, And her other children were in foster care. And she didn't want this for this baby. At the time, she said the baby was a girl. Um, we we were excited, but we didn't really care what it was. Um, she even had us like little pictures. She went to um, a clinic. Her plan was to have an abortion. Um, she was too far along, and uh, she was on that table. And she said that she heard something say, "Get up, get up, and leave." And she left. And then she called the lady that I know, um, her name is Beth and, uh, Beth contacted me and she's like, Carrie, I just feel like this is, you know, something that God's laid on my heart, you know? And, and so we met Amber March the 7th, 10 days before everything shut down. Um, we met her at Chick-fil-A and I fell in love with her immediately. Uh, just, I don't know. It was just, I knew God had called her to have my baby. I mean, that's the way I felt. People probably think I'm crazy, (laughs) but at the time, uh, me and my husband and my sister went, uh, and when we met her, we pulled up at a, um, at a motel where she was doing everything out of, um, and I've talked to her and she's okay with me sharing some of the story. She's very open with the story. Um, when I met her, uh, I couldn't do, all I could do is hug her and just, I, just the love that I felt. Hmm. Um, we talked and she told us everything. I mean, she just told us everything, um, down to why she wanted to give Caleb up, um, because the drugs was more important to her in her life. And she wanted, she wanted the baby at the time. We didn't know, we know the gender that the baby would, um, have a life that she never had. That's all she's known as drugs her whole entire life, like three generations. Um, her story was so touching. When we dropped her off um, to go back, we were crying in tears because I didn't want her to get out of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, we got her food, we, uh, anything she wanted, you know, and so that was March the 7th. And for two weeks, I didn't hear anything. And we couldn't really start the process because COVID shut everything down. And our social worker was like, okay, Carrie, um, this is what we got to do. When the baby's born, you know, I've got to get to the hospital. We got to get the paperwork done, you know, and all that. So I would send her messages. I'd hear nothing. Um, finally, about two and a half weeks later, Beth calls me and, you know, lets me know, hey, she's okay. I've seen her. Um everything's going to be fine. She says she still wants to go with y'all. She's just dealing with a lot right now. And uh, I don't know if you are familiar with, you know, private adoptions, but you can't really help them financially, like with money or, you know, stuff like that. There are certain things the law you have to do. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you know, you want to help, but you got to kind of keep your distance. You know, you got to, you know, keep things right. And so um, God just really, helped us be patient and rely on him completely. 
And so on April 8th, um, I go to bed that night on the 7th and I have a feeling like we've been praying and we've been fasting for like several weeks at 10 o'clock, me and three other women and praying. And God gave me um, the song, Come On, The Blessings, and actually on y'all's uh, station at the time on 93.7. And when God, when that song come on, even though I knew it, God said, this is for you. This song's for you. And I just kept singing that song over and over again. Um, and when I went to bed that night, I just had a feeling something was going to happen. The baby was not due until, uh, April the, um, 29th. And so this is April 8th. We knew that the baby could come early because of the drugs and, and certain things she was very honest about, um, had no pediatrician or a, a doctor or, you know, um, any of that. We didn't know what was going to happen. So when she called me at 3.30 that morning, she said, I think I'm in labor. And she was with one of her um, pimps or one of the men that she was with. Uh, and uh, he talked to me and he said, so what do I need to do? And I said, take her to UAB. And uh, I knew that's where I wanted uh, her to go. And so she's like, I'm real close to this hospital. And I said, they don't deliver babies anymore. You just go to UAB. And so finally she just went to UAB. We got there about 420. And when I walked in, they were asking me, I was the only one that could go in because of COVID. So they were asking all these questions. And I told them that we had an adoption process, but we didn't, um, we didn't have all the paperwork done yet. And they understood. They took me straight to her. I was in the room with her and the doctor um, was asking us both questions. And she told them what she had been doing. She was honest. And they were like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to see if you'll deliver today and you may not. So you may go home. And I was just thinking, she can't go home. She can't go home. So from that process, um, it was just me. And I'm the type of person I like to have everybody with me. Like my <laughs> husband's here right now. Yeah. And God was teaching me something that day that I needed to completely, fully rely on him. And I took my Bible right here. This is the Bible I had with me that day. Um, this Bible is very special to me because I bought this Bible three days before my brother passed. So, and that was like four years before this. So I'm losing my brother in April <laughs> and about to have a baby four years later um, was just unreal. Um at the beginning of this, we didn't really even know financially how this was going to happen. Honestly, within three days, three days, we had the money for the adoption, the social worker, everything. And God just opened the doors for this. Um, when we when we told everybody that Caleb would be born that day, people were going and buying gifts and buying stuff and we thought it was a girl. So we got, had a lot of girl stuff. <laughs> so um, just kind of a, a cap of the day when she started um, about one o'clock, they went ahead and started the epidural and uh, she was very angry, just different things. She didn't know what was going on, you know, had drugs in her system. Um, when she finally went to sleep, God just said, lay your hands on her and pray for her. 
And I started praying for her and the spirit just, I mean, just came into the room and she went to sleep and she slept until six o'clock. And when the doctor come in and said, okay, she's fully dilated. Let's have a baby. You know, I was like, what? You know, and she had signed a paper if she didn't wake up because there's a possibility with the drugs mixing that she would may not wake up. They went ahead and started the process of the C-section if she, you know, she set up and she looked at me and he said, let's start pushing. And within 14 minutes, we had a baby. Um, when he, when the baby was born, I was just looking at the face and this baby, it's a beautiful, healthy look so healthy baby, you know, and the doctor looked at me and said, didn't you say you were having a girl? <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're having a girl. And I was like, Karis Renee was going to be her name. And we had not picked out a boy name. Mm. I mean, so, um, he said, turn Caleb around and said, you better be coming up with a name. <laughs> and wow. My husband's name is Michael. My brother's name was Michael. And so uh, Caleb was a funny story behind Caleb is me and Michael love fireproof, the movie fireproof. And mm-hmm. we named Caleb after that movie. <laughs> so awesome. this was the baby that we had that day right here. Mm-hmm. This Caleb. Um, he was five pounds and nine ounces. Premature babies are five pounds and eight ounces. So mm-hmm. he was not even in the pr- premature range. He had a heart murmur. Um, and he had some drugs in his system, which caused us to go to the NICU for one day. And uh, I don't know if any of y'all went to the hospital during COVID, but uh, it was a little scary. You know, yeah. you it was kind of dead. There wasn't a lot of people walking around. Um, doctors and stuff were, you couldn't even, you could barely see their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I heard somebody say, Miss Carrie, Miss Carrie, um, mm-hmm. in the labor and delivery room after Caleb was born and I work at a daycare. I've been in childcare for 23 years. God has, these babies have been my babies. I mean, I've, I've took care of them like my own for all these years. And one of the mothers, um, I didn't know she knew me, but her kid had went through the program and, uh, they started older and I had the younger children. And she said, you're the Smith Miss Carrie. And she was some other kids I'd kept and, she knew them and she said, uh, do you know this and this? And she started naming things that I didn't know that I could get a room and that I could, um, Michael could come because of adoption <laughs> and they didn't tell us that. So my husband got to come there after Caleb was born and be with me. Yeah. She got us a room, just like a labor delivery room, just like Amber had. I was beside Amber. Amber got to have her friend with her. And Michael was with me. Um, the thing about that, though, is is when Amber left, I lost my room, too. So mm-hmm. whenever, if she was going to be there for two days, I would have had the room for two days. Um, but knowing the situation and everything that she was going through, she wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. So um, Brittany was, she really showed us, um, like, God's grace that day. And... Uh, And the story behind her, a little bit about her was she was actually adopting also. And that next week, her and her, Caleb and her little girl are a week apart. She adopted a little girl that's five days younger than Caleb. Mm. 
So God showed her that day that he was going to, he was going to bless her and by helping me. Um, so, uh, it's just amazing how God worked that day. Um, the doctors that were there that understood asked no questions. I mean, y'all, we didn't have the paperwork. Yeah. It was just, um, amazing. Our social worker, everything, we have passed everything, but we had to have Amber's um, signature and everything with stuff. So uh, when Caleb was born, the first thing I sung to him was the blessing song. Hmm. I sang that to him as he was, as she was, as uh, Brittany was uh, taking care of him and doing certain things to him. And that's all I can remember really that day was the love I felt from that baby. I was his mom. And every time a doctor would come in, Amber would say, she's his mother, you know, let her do it. And I just kind of stood there. Um, at that point, I had not even called Michael yet to tell him that we had a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was in all. I was in complete awe. I so love when, that. Well, Carrie, tell us how Caleb's doing today and how he um, adjusted to being a mom. It's amazing. Uh, he is with my mom that lives beside us right now. Uh, he's three and a half. Um, he has been healthy. Uh, we come home from the hospital seven days later. Hmm. We adopted him. He was born April the 8th. We adopted him on August the 5th. During COVID, adoptions were not going very easy. Hmm. We, I'm telling you, y'all, down to the Blunt County Courthouse, everybody there, um, the, the probate judge, everybody that helped us, they heard from God completely. Yeah. Caleb was a uh, fully and completely adopted on August the 5th. He was barely five months old. Um, and he's been, he's been our little boy. I mean, from the moment he was born, mm -hmm. um, he is smart and he knows that, uh, that Amber carried him in her belly. Um, we talk about it. Um, I knew that he was going to face, you know, different trials in his life of being asked, you know, things. And so me and Michael had prayed about how we were going to deal with that. And uh, I wanted him to know what his birth mom did was out of complete love. She loved him so much that she wanted to give him a life that she never had and that her children never had. Amen. And she knew that that moment she couldn't change. But I want to tell you, I prayed for her. I sent pictures of, of him just through messenger. You know, I would, I didn't hear from her for months and months. And then I would get a little message from her, you know, how's Caleb and I would send a picture, you know, and everything. Um, that meant a lot to her. That meant more now that I know like more what was going on during that time, I mean, she was, she was on knocking on death doors. She was having seizures. She was passing out. She'd wake up not knowing where she was. Um, she was from motel to motel, from different houses and cars, just different things. Um, and then about 18 months ago, uh, she winds up at the Love Lady Center. And I had been praying for her, constantly praying for her. Because I wanted Caleb to know how much um, she really loved him. And I knew one day when he got older, they would meet, you know. And right now, we've not even met up with her. But we, 
we talked to her on FaceTime sometimes and stuff. Um, but uh, when she went into the Love Lady Center, she was really close to death, very mm-hmm. close. And Here- uh, go ahead. <laughs> Carrie, what would you say to someone who has been feeling that prompting of the Holy Spirit to adopt? Because, I mean, you had extreme circumstances, and I think any adoption doesn't necessarily come with that same extreme. But when you feel God calling you into something like adoption, you don't take it lightly. No, no, you don't. I mean, it's really something that, um, you know, I thought about for years and years, like for like eight years, we thought about it but I never could see myself number one, affording it. Um, and I thought that because God knew I wanted a baby, I didn't really have to tell him. I just thought, Hey, he knew I wanted one. So he could just give me one whenever, mm-hmm. but he wanted me to completely humble myself and ask him. He wants us to ask him or tell him what we want. And uh, that's what I did that day. I told him I wanted a baby and I wanted to um, adopt and, you know, and, and when I went into this, you know, there's so many things you have to think about, you know, it's, they could be born with different, different things can happen. 80% of children that are adopted are, are, are born, you know, with drugs in their system. And we had to go through all that. And I never thought a thing about, I knew I was going to love the baby no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, uh, And God just, when I surrendered myself and went into that and gave it to God, he handled it all. I didn't have to do anything. I mean, literally just surrender. Carrie, Carrie, you say that, but you had to surrender. You had to trust. You had to be. Oh, yeah. I had to do a lot. (laughs) And through you, um, I believe you saved many lives. Who knows what Caleb will grow up to be and do. Uh, but I, I think I think you're extraordinary. I do. And I'm so glad that Ace has gotten to meet you and the people listening and viewing can see that beautiful Jesus glow that you have. Um, I thank you for sharing your story with us. It's intimate. It's intense. Uh, it's important. Uh, children being adopted out of trafficking, that's saving lives the mother and the child. And um, so we so appreciate you taking the time to be with us. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank y'all. Thank y'all for giving me the opportunity to share some of my story. I might've went over a little bit. I went looking at the time. You're good. (laughs) Don't worry about that. I'm just thankful. You know, I've been serving the Lord since I was 10 years old and I've been in the ministry and I just know that, you know, God could use this. And I know God's got great plans for Caleb. And, um, I'm going to be there to support him a hundred percent. God gave me a dream, even right after he was born, that he would help people like his mother one day, his birth mother. Mm-hmm. And I can see that he'll ask all the time, how's Amber, you know, and, and that just tickles me and I'll send her, you know, pictures and videos. Hey, guess how you were doing. And mm-hmm. she's doing fantastic serving the Lord and, <laughs> and reaching those women those women yeah. trafficking and, and drugs. Yeah. And, and it's just amazing to see what God's doing in her life. Before we let you go, I, I did want to ask you if you've been caught up in the Taylor Swift, Kansas city chiefs whirlwind, like she, like that team is now every teenager's favorite team. They're buying jerseys with his, with Travis's name on it. 
They're, you know, wanting to go see the Chiefs game in the hopes of running into Taylor. And I know, and, and that's fine, but Taylor, like, spread the love. Like, just don't go to football games. Go to Broadway shows and, you know, local theater or, you know, go see a band in a club, you know, in some kind of disguise. Like, there's got to be a way to spread your influence outside of just the NFL, which are clearly not having a problem selling tickets without your endorsement. Well, I asked my daughter who paid way too much money to go see her recently and is a mega Swifty what she thinks. She says, oh, he's so cute. They make the best couple. I love his mustache. And then it turned into a conversation of, honey, she's married. Honey, um, you want to look like Travis? I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Wow. Well, and I have seen that trend, like people showing a picture of who their like crush was when they were teenagers and then who they ended up with and how close they are. So, you know, you like what you like, right? We want Taylor to be happy in a relationship. I think that's a lot of it. A lot of the attention is, oh, we so want her to be, you know, because she's had some breakups now and written about them thoroughly. And men did one and put him in a video and all that. We're kind of following all that. But the cute celebrity couple, it's just interesting. It, you I know think what, it's cute. Nothing against Taylor and her breakups and relationships. We've all had a heartbreak. We just didn't know how to write a song to get it and cope through it. So I feel for you. You know, I'm glad you have found your outlet. But, you know, she doesn't get extra compassion just because, I mean, we all have been there. That's why we relate. That's why we're buying the albums and going to the shows. So anyway, enjoy. And thanks for hanging out this week. Remember to subscribe, like, follow, and share with your friends. We will see you again next Friday. Roxanne, I love you. Bye, I love you too. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.